Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm Director of Ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to um, today's broadcast. Well, guess what, folks? You Many of you may know this, and you may not, but I'm going to share it with you. This weekend is the start of Passover, or Pesach, when our Jewish Friends commemorate how God freed their people from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, each household sacrificing a spotless lamb and painting the doorpost with its blood. John the Baptist later used the same Exodus imagery to declare Jesus or Yeshua, the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, our guest today has dedicated his life to helping his Jewish brothers and sisters know Yeshua as their Messiah. Just like Paul said in Romans, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And of course, here to get us started to introduce our guest for the day is my good friend, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Vale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Hey, buddy. It's good to see you again, man. Hey, man. Welcome back to all of us, I guess, to this moment in time that we have together to see each other and talk about the most important thing that we can talk about, and that is the good news of the gospel. Amen. Uh, Amen. I think in all of history, this this is my opinion, but I, I think most of us might agree, there's probably no bigger transformative week in all of history than the week that we're entering and remembering coming up right now. So much happened in such a, a small amount of time that just changed the world. Everything from starting on Sunday where people, you know, are, are praising the entrance into Jerusalem of Yeshua uh, and uh, yelling Hosanna to all of a sudden, not much longer after that, having a, a different view and a different approach to things to a day that we then remember as Good Friday. And then ultimately a day that we're going to celebrate coming up soon, uh, Resurrection Sunday. But the truth is for those of us who know the truth about who Jesus is, and the good news that he brings, we can live every day like it's Resurrection Sunday and the truth Amen. that it applies in our life. And, and, and from time to time here on Good News for the City, we have a guest that I believe brings definitely a perspective that needs to be known at a greater level. Amen. And this is one uh, that I'm excited about today to learn from Rabbi Aaron Aldsbrook. Let me tell you a little bit about him before we dive in today. Uh, Rabbi Aaron was born and raised in Southern California uh, and has known Yeshua his whole life. He shared about Yeshua to his Jewish and non-Jewish friends in high school. And at the end of high school, he began to feel that there was more to his Jewishness, so to speak, than just Passover and Hanukkah and his grandparents. So at this time, what he did was he made his first visit to a Messianic synagogue in Philadelphia. He made a first trip to Israel and then his first visit to an Orthodox synagogue. And, and through that, God was certainly moving in his life, revealing to him that his Jewishness was something central to his identity. And he went so far as to begin to live like an Orthodox Jew, including getting Orthodox rabbinic ordination. Not long after that, Rabbi Aaron knew that there was, there was something missing, uh, something more. While the traditions were great, he craved more of the spirit of God and the love of Yeshua in his life. So he left the Orthodox world and began to seek a way of living an authentic Jewish life under the leading of the spirit. His travels brought him to Israel, where he lived for four years, and then to New York, where he met his wonderful and beautiful wife, Brooke, uh, with whom now he has four children. Uh, when I read this recently, it said he had three children, but 
uh, Rabbi Aaron has recently added another to his family. In and fact, the very, yeah. the very fact that he is going to join us and talk today is amazing uh, because there's been a few sleepless nights the last uh, few uh, coming up in that way. But he was in New York that he was a special education teacher and assistant rabbi at Messianic Synagogue on Long Island. Then after several years in this capacity, he wanted to pursue being a full-time Messianic rabbi, which led him to Ohev Yisrael, uh, which we'll talk about in just a moment where he has a privilege to serve. He desired to see Jewish people come to know Yeshua there as their Messiah and live their life in service of our master as Jews, full of the spirit of God. Amen. So Rabbi Aaron, Thanks for joining us today. And again, uh, you're looking a whole lot better than Dennis and I look if we'd have had that many sleepless <laughs> nights. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> so let, let's dive in. It's if we not can. hard, though, is it, Brian? Well, let's just say we set a low bar. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, let's dive in. Uh, growing up, Rabbi Aaron, you observed the Jewish holidays, right? And as you observed them, certainly as we just discussed and Dennis did as we enter into Passover season, did you have a full understanding of what you were remembering, were remembering and observing during those times? I don't, honestly. My, admittedly, my parents were believers. My grandparents were atheists. So it made it for a very mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. dynamic. The, the holidays uh, were times to get together with family. Um, I remember just being with family and it being a celebratory time. For instance, with Passover, my grandparents actually had a humanist Haggadah, which is the book we use to retell a story, but really theirs had nothing to do with God. It had to do with the champion of, of man over injustice. My grandparents, mm-hmm. for instance, were involved with the civil rights movement in the 60s. <clears throat> so they were very much involved with helping the poor, very much biblical ideas, but God, ironically, was not part of it. So we as kids were, however, were at the kids' table and we had fun and we lit the menorah during Hanukkah and we told the story during Passover when we would go look for the Afikoman, which is a piece of matzah that's hidden. The kids go find, which very much is symbolic of Yeshua. Um, so I don't remember a whole lot. And hence why when I get to, got to the ends of high school, I started to think there's got to be something more to this. I, I this, It's got to be much more beyond latkes, which are fried potato pancakes or mm. grandmother's delicious matzah ball soup which are great, but just is, I, I'm looking for something deeper. And I think your story is similar to maybe lots of people's story, whether it is a uh, one that you grew up in a specific Jewish tradition or whether someone grew up in a different type of tradition that oftentimes we can go around and have remembrances or we can have traditions. Sometimes those traditions are anchored in truth like yours were. And, and sometimes uh, they may be anchored in something else other than truth, but yet we're walking through them and not quite understanding the depth behind them or the significance behind them. And especially if we've just grown up in them, it's really easy to begin to just sort of uh, take them for granted, so to speak. But there's this moment, I guess, where we all have, where we have to understand that the faith that we've been exposed to, what exactly does it look like and mean? And so you you kind of talked a little bit as you made your way to high school, you started searching for something more. Was that just a gradual thing that came to you? Or was there some sort of moment that really pushed you there? Well, my mom took her first trip to Israel as an adult. She did went with my, as a kid with my grandparents. And she said that God really spoke to her. Like, it's time now to really embrace what your Jewishness means. Um, and so I, ironically also, I, my prom date in my senior year of high school was a Jewish woman. And we were talking and just like, you know, this, this is something real and significant. So I thought, all right, what's going on? 
So uh, I started to dive deeper and ask more questions, even of my own grandparents and finding out, for instance, that my grandfather was a Cohen, which is a priest. So I had a connection back to the original Aaron you know, over 3,000 years ago. I thought, wow, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then a year, about a year later, we went, uh, it was during winter break, my first year of college, we went to, she, the whole family went to Israel. And I remember now it was some, something tangible, uh, seeing the sights, particularly the wall, the Western wall, mm-hmm. and touching it and seeing it like this is real, this is history that I can see and I can touch. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I remember having this, this feeling, this is mine. Yeah. And it, it really, it drove it home for me. Like, this is something that I have to take seriously. And it, it put me on a journey of what does this mean? And what does this look like? Um, I'm somebody who's very uh, serious when I get into something to go all the way. And so it brought me to uh, searching and, and taking classes and studying with other rabbis and reading a lot, reading voraciously. Uh, so it was, it, that really propelled me uh, just the path of where I'm on now. Now, the concept of looking for Messiah, looking for someone uh, who would come as the anointed one and provide for the Jewish people is not a new concept that's been around for a very long time. And anyone who's, you know, at, at minimal seen fitter on the roof at much more had <laughs> greater experience of that. Right. They're recognizing that. But specifically, as part of our conversation, you have recognized Yeshua to be the Messiah. Now, for those people who may not be familiar with that word, you may want to tell them uh, what you mean by that. And what was it that brought you to that knowledge uh, that he was the one that we've been waiting for? Yeah, Yeshua is the Jesus in Hebrew. So when his mother Miriam or Mary called to him, she said, Yeshua. Jesus, which is just the way his name is translated through the years through different languages and cultures but as part of as jews we like to use the hebrew names uh, for him and for others um you know i grew like i said i grew up with him um but really again in college i i started to do my own searching so i didn't just take for what i received as this is true although i did i started like let me let me analyze it so I remember there were many nights when I would have on my computer, um, it would, I'd have Jews for Jesus on one page and Jews for Judaism on the other page. Now, many mm-hmm. people know what Jews for Jesus is. It's an organization that's dedicated to revealing Yeshua to the Jewish people. But then there's Jews for Judaism, which they're called anti-missionaries. So they're Jews, usually Orthodox, who are going out to other Jews, convincing them that Yeshua is not the Messiah. So I read, for instance, take a piece of scripture, Mm -hmm. say Isaiah 7, which is very controversial, and say, well, here's one argument saying that this is actually fulfilled in Yeshua. And then here's the other argument saying, no, this is a misinterpretation. This has nothing to do with the Messiah Mm -hmm. or a virgin for that matter. So I would go through these and I would read. And if I would study more with the Orthodox, I really wanted to get a traditional take on what it means to be Jewish. And I'd start to see, does this make sense? What does Jewish life look like, for instance, without Yeshua? And the more and more I began to delve into it, one, I found that the, the, the traditional uh, Christian or Messianic interpretations of scripture, they made the most sense. And two, that life, Jewish life without Yeshua, I was still missing something. And I, and I, the good news for me was that it didn't have to be one or the other. I could tell mm-hmm. Jewish life with Yeshua. And that's taken a long time for me to figure out. And I'm very grateful mm-hmm. to my wife for helping me figure that out. But that really, it, it, it culminates, it's fulfilled in Yeshua 
And that's what I love the most because I can be fully Jewish and fully love and follow Yeshua at the same time. You know, we live in a society that likes a little bit to use an old reference, the cliff notes versions of things. We like to look it up quickly on the internet or that sort of scenario. And so it strikes me that there may be a whole lot of people that have not done the research, the, the work that you have, and now they're engaging this, maybe a friend handing them the podcast or listening, you know, right now on WAVA on the radio and go, oh, this is interesting. So um, Rabbi Aaron is talking about some fulfillment that Yeshua brought to some of these messianic prophecies. Could you just maybe just, you know, for those people to get them interested in going deeper in that, it, you know, give us a couple. Sure. I think the biggest uh, one is Isaiah 53 with the suffering servant of God. Um, now, there is a lot of debate within the Jewish world. Is, is this the Messiah? Is it Israel? People mm -hmm. don't know that. The, the Jewish world has reinterpreted it to be the nation of Israel. But traditional Jewish sources would say this is the Messiah, even, even many contemporary ones. But that being the biggest, seeing that the role of the Messiah, first and foremost, is to suffer for us um, and then eventually come to uh, rule and reign. Um, there's uh, Micah 2. Uh, with the Messiah being born in Bethlehem. Um, Daniel 7, which is one of my favorites, of seeing the Son of Man uh, coming on the clouds to the Ancient of Days and receiving you know, power and dominion and glory. Um, and Yeshua referring to himself as the Son of Man. Here's this uh, character who lives in the clouds, so clearly someone superhuman mm -hmm. uh, who has now come to earth. Um, Isaiah 9, with the, with the child being born to us, who again will rule and reign uh, Jeremiah 31, another favorite, because it talks about this new covenant that God will make with our people. That Yeshua too came as a fulfillment of an ongoing historical narrative that God had with his people. Mm -hmm. And as he made a covenant, as we more reenact with Passover with our people through Moses, then he made another covenant, a new covenant with Yeshua to uh, write the Torah now on our hearts. Yeah. And as he says during the, what's known as the Last Supper, or we like to say the last Seder, the last Passover meal, Yeshua says, this is the blood of the new covenant mm -hmm. you know, poured out for you for the, for the remission of sins. And this is my body taken, eat and calls us right back to Exodus 24, when Moses takes the blood and sprinkles it on the people. Um, and I said, this is the blood of the covenant. Yeah. You are now doing it now with, however, in our hearts. Um, so these are just a few, uh, of course, then also Malachi 2, when Yeshua now coming to the second temple that clearly, it, it very subtle yet clear ways God portrays this person when he's supposed to come, where he's supposed to be born and what he's supposed to do. Um, and I see it's just, it's so evident that it's in Yeshua. So I think you, you're doing something here. I'm not sure if our listeners are really grasping. And it is you're talking specifically about the fulfillment of prophecy and who Jesus Yeshua is, the Messiah, strictly from the Old Testament. And one of the struggles I think that some people have um, is as they feel intimidated of sharing the truth about Yeshua to their Jewish friends is they don't have a lot of working knowledge of how to do it, not from the New Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a lot we could talk about that and some struggles with that. But, you know, uh, an Orthodox Jew in generally doesn't recognize the New Testament because of the Yeshua issue and they don't recognize him as Messiah. I'm not telling you anything. Obviously, you don't know much deeper than I do. Um, but in that, how would you encourage them, someone who's hearing this, like, wow, this is amazing. How would you encourage them to share truth about Yeshua to, to their Jewish friends um, that have, uh, you know, a need for the truth about Messiah, just like all of us do? 
Right. It's a great question. I think first and foremost is that most Jews that people are going to encounter have very little working knowledge of the Bible. Mm. Um, it's, it's people think, oh, I don't know enough. Like, well, most Jews don't know very much anything about the Bible besides, you know, the holidays. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily how one has to approach it. And I think even if one were to encounter an Orthodox Jew who may have some working knowledge of the Bible, although many Orthodox Jews, the primary source of study is going to be the Talmud, which is the Jewish oral traditions. So it's, 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 um, you don't have to worry about it as much. I think for most people, it comes down to is love. Um, sharing Yeshua out of love, out of, for instance, if we, if we put in the perspective that, that Gentiles have now come to know the God of Israel through the Messiah of Israel and have been grafted into the nation of Israel per Ephesians 2. So if, one, if a Gentile who once, you know, historically, were often seen as, as our enemies, you know, mm-hmm. if you look at the history of the, the Christian Europe, it's not a great history with the Jewish people. But if now if a, a Gentile Christian were to come to uh, a Jew and say, I love your God, that's very disarming. I love your Messiah. I love you. Why do you, I love you? Because I have now known, I know your God and I've been forgiven of my sins because of your Messiah. And it's like, well, he's not our Messiah. And that can create a whole conversation. Because now you've, you've couched it in terms that I, uh, something that's, who's going to reject that? You know, I love you. That, that's, that's, that's something that people want to hear. That's really nice. I support yeah. you. I support Israel. I support the Jewish people. Why? Because mm-hmm. I've been shown the love of God through the Messiah of Israel. And when he's put in those terms, is, you know, and while he is the savior of the world, he is the king of the world. If he's put in terms that are, that are relatable to Jews, uh, I think Jews can, at least you can start a conversation and they can be, you know, maybe it doesn't, you know, hit home immediately, but you plant seeds and make people wonder, wow, maybe Christians aren't our enemies or they're so different from us. And especially if they see themselves as part of the Commonwealth of Israel, then it's like, wow, uh, maybe I should look into this. Brian, I just wanted to interject, uh, Rabbi Aaron, man, that is so right on, brother. God bless you, man. Because let me just tell a quick story. The very first time I went to Israel, I sat across the aisle on the plane from an older Jewish gentleman. I'm guessing he was, by that time, he was probably in his, I don't know, middle to late 70s. But a strong guy, man. When I shook his hand, it, he almost broke my hand. He was a, he was a strong, older gentleman. And, and we got to talking and he asked me what I did. And I told him I was a pastor and, and I led all of our trips to Israel from the rain, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, when we got up, when we landed in Tel Aviv, um, and I just told him how much I love Israel and I love the Jewish people. And, you know, I'm just a huge fan of all of this. And he got up and there were tears streaming down both of our eyes onto our cheeks because I wanted to run out and kiss the ground, by the way, off the plane. And he got up and, and in his own little uh, dialect, he said, um, thank you for loving us and thank you for loving Israel. And it was, you know, it was just a bolt and he hugged me real big and it was just, it was like heaven, man. I mean, so you're right. I think, I mean, it's that language of, um, he didn't, I don't know what kind of religion he practiced or if he practiced any, but he was Jewish. He was a great old guy. All of his kids lived here um, in the U.S. So um, anyway, it was just a great story, and I couldn't agree with you more, man. So 
Uh, sorry well, for interjecting all no, that. No, that's wonderful. Rabbi Aaron, I want to just, if I can, transition this into something really uh, hopefully powerful that, you know, I think all of us with any sense of history have zero problem saying that there has been no um, greater persecution gone towards any group that has ever existed in all of mankind than the Jewish people. I mean, history is littered with it. Yep. Uh, and we don't have to go very far back in our history as our own country in the United States of America, or just go right now to see that not only in the United States, but in many places throughout the world. And so this power of love, this, you know, uh, this idea, when Jesus even answered uh, the, the teacher of the law, said, what are the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and your mind. And then pulled one that wasn't, you know, directly from something they would quote every day. Uh, in general, as far as I understand, but certainly, you know, maybe not right there out of Deuteronomy at the, at the front part, he said, and love your neighbors yourself. I, I love that because you're talking about an action as well as a, a spoken word in understanding theology. And so in these few minutes that we have left, can we talk about that a little bit? What does it look like? How can we best love our Jewish friends, our Jewish neighbors? I think, well, first of all, I mean, of course, there's always prayer. And praying for mm -hmm. Israel, praying for the Jewish people is, is, has to be foundational. But be involved. I think it's it show. No, it's well, it's a two edged sword. There's a lot of times people want to support Israel on giving financially, which is great. But make sure to whom you know you're giving your money and how they also treat Messianic Jews, because that can be they can be they like the money and it can be good. But then a lot of these organizations don't really care much for Messianic Jews. But go to Jewish events, go to Jewish classes, go to the JCC, the Jewish Community Center in your area. Uh, if there are attacks, go and say, hey, we, we as a community, as a church, as an organization, we stand against anti-Semitism because we love the Jewish people. Um, when there are things happening, uh, like, if, I mean, I know in COVID, it's a little bit different, but I'm saying uh, uh, when things are normal, uh, like celebrate Israel parade in March, mm -hmm. go to those things and just be part of it. And people say, you know, you, like, for instance, I once went to a, a Friday night gathering at a local synagogue and because I was a new face, people started to talk with me. We started to talk, and then it led to a whole conversation about who I am and Yeshua and so forth. And I still have a relationship with some of those people today. So go to events. Uh, of course, go to Israel. Um, you know, if you want to uh, donate to the JCCs, that's always a plus. And, you know, put specifically who you are. Don't be afraid of shame, you know, showing who you are. Um, because even if they don't accept it, uh, at least they know that you still care and that you still love them. Yeah. Uh, and if there are Jewish neighbors and, and colleagues you work with, uh, when holidays come up, give gifts. Yeah. Just say, hey, I want to bless you. You know, uh, there's some, rel you know, uh, specific goodies that are uh, relative to this mm -hmm. holiday. And I want to just bless you because I love you and I love the Jewish mm -hmm. people. But put it in practical terms and do it uh, altruistically. And it, mm -hmm. it really will help people. Well, Rabbi Aaron, thanks for joining us today. You know, people may want to connect to you in person or they may want to find out about some clear events that, that you're hosting. They can go to your website and do that. Is that correct? Oh, have yes, Israel. So that's right. O-H-E-V-Y Israel, I-S-R-A-E-L dot O-R-G, yes. www.ohevyisrael.org. Or you can also send him an email, Rabbi Aaron. Uh, and by the way, for those of you wondering, it is spelled in the Old Testament, Aaron Way, A-A-R-O-N, uh, at ohevisrael.org. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for bringing some insight uh, in this very powerful week. Dennis? God bless you, buddy. Hey, 
Rabbi Brian. Guys, um, great, man. It was fantastic. We needed another hour and a half to do it, didn't we, Brian? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, always. So thank you again. Hey, if you want more information, as Brian just said, you can go to ohevisrael.org, O-H-E-V-Y-I-S-R-A-E-L.org. Or um, you can, excuse me, you can go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. If you really want to get them, um, I'll poke him for you. If you want to call me at the uh, radio station, 703-807-2266. Hey, folks, thank you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.